Hi, and welcome to the Killer Family Business Podcast, where we help you to build a killer family business without killing your family. On this show, I interview current generation and next generation entrepreneurs and family business owners, as well as experts and thought leaders who can help us to scale through the generations. This podcast is brought to you by Successful Succession, where we help family businesses with their succession planning. We work with current and next generation entrepreneurs to lead their businesses with advice, training and coaching. This podcast is for people who are in a family business, who are thinking of developing their business into a family business, or for people who are interested in taking over a family business. In this episode, I'm chatting with a longtime friend of mine, originally from the USA, but currently living with his lovely wife and three fantastic daughters and a huge Bernese mountain dog in Belgium. PJ has worked extensively with creative individuals through Up With People and then with entrepreneurs in Europe and MEPA as the regional director for EO, the entrepreneurs organization. Now he's focused on helping young people, older people and individuals to live their lives consciously through their core values and understanding how these values are fundamentally important to help us make the right decisions for our personal lives and for our businesses. He's got a new book coming out in the next week or so called Brave, Raising Kids to be Brave, Smart and Kind. His company is called Brave, Smart and Kind and he's going to tell us all about it. PJ Brady, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Stephen Short. I'm excited to be here. Um, well, it's 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 wonderful to have you. So you and I have had I've had the pleasure of knowing you for many many years, and when I met you first, you were involved in the the um, entrepreneurs organization, and your role really was uh, to develop leaders and to help leaders to to become the best version of themselves. And I know in up with people, you were also involved in that. Can you tell me a little bit about that side of your life first before we talk about you setting up your business? Sure, the complete accidental leadership path that, that I stumbled <laughs> upon. Uh, of course, honestly, like every time I've joined an organization that's focused on leadership, I had no idea that it focused on leadership. I thought up with people is a nonprofit that takes uh, student aged uh, people and sends them around the world and you do musicals, you live in host families and you do community service. And I thought I was just joining a traveling musical. Little did I know that it was a leadership development um, organization where when you're going into communities and talking about culture, where you're from, uh, trying to make the world a better place, how much that translates into leadership. And we spent a whole lot of time in schools. So talking to stun young people, talking to students who needed some exposure and quite frankly in leadership if we can start at a young age that helps and then I uh, went back to university studied uh, international affairs and leadership and then when I was joining the entrepreneurs organization again nonprofit, I thought it was strictly about business and business practices and again accidentally stumbled into this world where you understand that if what we're able to do is train leaders understand what they stand for and help them integrate that into their business world, well, then it transforms their business. So I was very fortunate to ha never have any intention of going into leadership organizations. And yet everywhere I find myself, it's within a leadership organization. So uh, yeah, it, it's been stumbling along the path and learning along the way. Which I suppose is the very definition of entrepreneurship. <laughs> yeah, oddly enough, that's the same thing. I, there's a lot of people who never thought they'd be an entrepreneur, right? Which is, mm -hmm the beautiful part of entrepreneurs and also the complete disaster of entrepreneurs who say, I've got a great idea. Why don't I do this? And then they stumble into business and realize that they know so little about business. Anything. Right. And then, and then figure it out, build the parachute after you jump out of the plane and hope you don't reach the ground. 
So when when we uh, worked together in Entrepreneur's Organization, uh, you did a lot of workshops and you did a lot of training and, and values was something that was very important in the organization, but also you kind of took it up another level. Like you actually ran workshops for the leaders within EO um, about values, about values-based leadership and identifying those values. So has that always been um, a really important thing to you, having values at the core of your decisions or your plans? Well, it was, I just didn't know it. Mm-hmm. So when we started, I would go around and I would do a lot of uh, strategy summits, do a lot of, uh, you know, the trainings at EO, that the Entrepreneurs Organization had developed for the chapters and their leaders. And I, it was fantastic. What a great learning. I, they were paying me to go around the world and learn about leadership. And so when I started to have the organized discussions the facilitate discussions around values, uh, a lot of it started with, well, what do you want the values of your chapter to be? And how are these um, going to come out through your actions within the group? And what I learned, <laughs> so many people are going to listen to this from EO and be like, thanks, PJ, was that we were doing it very wrong. <laughs> you know, we were trying to, <laughs> we were trying to use these values. And unfortunately it started to make it into more of a marketing exercise than it was an actual, let's f- figure out how we can implement these into our organization. And it was almost a little bit too forced. Well, then what I figured out is if we can align those with personal values, then it doesn't feel forced. And if we can find some uh, framework to uses an umbrella over that, well, then you've got leaders who are matching up with organizational values and they're doing it from such an authentic place, which is the number one thing that people want out of their leaders. They just don't want a fake leader. But if a leader doesn't believe in the values of an organization, then isn't that what you're getting? So if what you're able to do is merge those two things, then I just started asking, in my opinion, the right questions, the little, some more pointed questions. And then the more I would do that, the more I would figure out how to do that. And it's just kind of snowballed into, into where I'm at now, which is developing a framework for leaders, parents, teachers mm-hmm. to, to use with, um, with their followers. So this is something, and I, I remember having so many fascinating conversations with you about this and about values and about the values of you, about my values, about values in general. And you had this way of phrasing it, which has always stuck with me. Is it is it a core value or is it something that we value? And there's two very different ways of looking at those things. And for me, that was one of those aha moments of going, wow, actually, there are a lot of things that I value doing, but like if somebody doesn't have them, I'm not going to cut them from my life or I'm not going to not have them in my organization. And I thought that was an extraordinarily valuable shift and mindset for me. Yeah, and that was... And I mean, look, a lot of stuff that I learned about values came from uh, legendary Warren Rustand uh, mm-hmm. doing Leadership Academy with him. I mean, he's been such a big part of EO and big, such a part of so many of our lives. And that's where I started to line up to be like, oh, well, let's look at all this leadership stuff. And I, I still again, it, we, I had the understanding of it. I just didn't know it until he actually started to define values. But from that, I've seen so many people when they're doing their values finding exercises and they put this is one of yours when you had first put it down was what, what do you, what are your values? And people put family mm-hmm. and I will never disagree with having family as part of your value set. I, same with me. And I'm going to prioritize my family, but here's what I found is that family is a thing. 
and anything that you can touch that is <laughs> that's not of value that's what you value so if you say you value family i'll say well how do you value family is that through loyalty is that through dedication is that through service is that through you tell me how you treat your family and i'm pretty sure that i'm going to find that you treat your friends the same way and you're going to find i'm going to find that you treat the world in a very similar way the the what is very different from the characteristic that we have inside of ourselves that comes out our family is just one of arguably the most important um i guess target of that value where we extend that value to and when you look at extending your values yeah you've got all right well here's my inner circle this is this is the people that are tight i'm on a video right now i don't know why i'm making a small circle with my hands <laughs> but but you're on a podcast so we're not going to be recording the video we're not going to be publishing exactly. the video just the audio so, so i need be, to say for, it out loud for the, for the yeah <laughs> for the listeners I'm making a very small circle with my hands. Uh, that inner circle that you have, that's where you start to extend your values. And the further you get out, the question you need to ask is, do I extend my my value out to that next circle? Do I extend my value out to people that I don't know? Do I extend that value out into a culture, into a universe, into whatever it is? Well, how far do you put that out there? And so there's the, uh, what is the book? Um, Mark Manson's Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yeah, Which, and, and, and we, we, we do allow swearing on the podcast. Sorry. Thank God. If not, this would be a very <laughs> difficult conversation. Uh, well, in that, I, I just disagree with a lot of stuff that he puts out there because one of the things he says, he starts to talk about someone's values and he says money. Money's not a value. Money is a result. What do you want to do with that money? What's your purpose mm -hmm. with that money? Where do you direct that, that security or whatever it is? But yeah, the what you value versus um, what your values are different conversations so that brings us i mean you, you talked about obviously the values and having your your core inner your inner core circle of your family as being the the start of where you identify and kind of develop your values you set up your entire business like all of the, the brave smart kind company is all about you taking those values and be and wanting to instill them in your daughters in your family uh, which I've always thought was absolutely brilliant and I've always loved this story. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got started with that, why you got started with, with those three words and uh, how the whole process start came about? Yeah, of course. Uh, <clears throat> so as I was going through and learning more about values and learning more about leaders and leadership, I was struck with this this concept where we're going in and we're teaching people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s to help them identify not what their many, values not are. Not many people in their 20s in EO. <laughs> not many, maybe the accelerator people. Yeah. Um, so we're going in having those conversations with people say, hey, let's identify what your values are so that you can use them with greater intention, right? So we can design our lives based on, the, uh, on our values, on our core values. And then as we're having those conversations and we started to say, okay, well, where do these values come from? When are they shaped? How are they developed? it always points back to how you were raised, right? You start to develop those with your parents, with your teachers, uh, in your community, from friends or friends' parents. And I thought, well, this part doesn't make sense. <laughs> if what we're doing is saying values are developed at a young age, but the first time that we really start talking about them is when somebody is well into their professional career, well, what if we back that up a little bit? What if we said, 
if we know that values are developed at a young age, why don't we develop those values on with a little greater intention, with a little greater purpose? And so at the time, I had two daughters. Alexandra was four years old. Emmeline was two years old. And I said, okay, I've got a great idea. I'm going to institute these values into my children's lives. And then I thought, well, how... How do I do that? <laughs> no one's ever taught me to do that part before. And I said, all right, I need to. In true entrepreneurial spirit, you stumbled into <laughs> it. I tripped over something in the dark and happened to be a golden bar. Uh, and so I said, look, first of all, I need to know what I want them to be in life. And that's not saying that they'll achieve that. I'm just saying, what's my goal as a parent? And what I said is, if I've got two young ladies, some of the issues that I see right now in the world is the lack of competence that women can have. And they get a whole lot of help from the universe on that. Uh, a lot of help to break down that confidence. And I wanted, I said, I want to have confident young ladies. And when I was growing up, was surrounded by my mom and my sister, it always broke my heart when anyone said that they didn't feel beautiful. I was like, okay. If I want to raise confident young ladies, I want to show them that the word beautiful is something that's on the inside, not an Instagram post or whatever it is. And I, I was struggling with this because here's the thing is I live in Belgium, American by birth. So and, and by accent, <laughs> what you could tell in the way. Uh, so my daughters go to school in Flemish. And so Dutch is their number one language. They speak French with their mother and they speak English with me. So English is a third language for them, which is awesome and terrifying that I get to teach them what the English language is. Yes, my kids know how to swear. Yes, it's my fault. That, that, was, my, that, was, that was my next question. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, so I said, all right, if I'm doing this, I get to teach them what beautiful means. I get to be the first person who says this is what beautiful means and I can use the core values to explain what that is. So I said, okay, all right, PJ, we're halfway through this thought process. What do you want this to be? What do you want the values to be? What do you want to redefine beautiful as? And I'm telling you, I didn't didn't take a lot of research. It was me asking me, it was me asking myself uh, one simple question is what am I tired of in the world? And the first thing that I'm tired of in the world is people using fear to control other people. And you see it in politics, you see it in media, you see it in sales, you see it in anytime someone wants to control someone, they can use fear to do that. I don't want that for my girls. I want them to be able to be courageous. So I said, the first thing is I want to choose to teach them bravery. That was one. The second thing that I'm tired of in the world is people just walking around like zombies in front of their technology, digesting information that they don't even question I want my girls to have critical thought. I want them to have creativity. I want them to ask why repeatedly, even if it's annoying me, <laughs> which it has. So like, I want that. Your, your youngest was two and you were encouraging her to ask why more often. Okay, very good. Okay. Uh, oddly enough, and, and I you was. Call, and, you called, and you called that particular trait what? I was like, look, I want them to have critical thought. I want them to ask questions. I want them, I want to choose them how to be, oh, sorry, I want to teach them how to be smart. Right. Mm -hmm. And I need to make a very distinct difference here. It's not intelligence. It's not book smart. It's not good grades. It's not any of that. I want them to have critical thought, problem solving skills. I want them to ask the right questions. So that was smart. And then the last one that I'm tired of seeing is the lack of kindness in the world. 
And this might be a little bit unfair because we see kindness all over the place if you're looking. And yet, I feel like all of the situations but, that are completely jacked up. But you do have up, to look. Yeah, that's... You do have to look. More often than not, you do have to look for it. it and that's because the negative voices are so loud right now and magnified. And I want to show my daughters, this is how we treat people. And this is how you treat yourself with kindness. So I told them the word beautiful doesn't mean pretty. Pretty is temporary. Pretty fades. Beautiful means to be three things and three things only. And that is brave, smart, and kind. And it started to roll from there. So you, I mean, I, I, I've, the first time you told me about this and we had conversations about this while you were developing, I thought the whole idea is fantastic. And I've had the conversations with, with my daughters and my wife about this. You've met my wife and my daughters and the amount of time. Now, uh, again, we're, we're, in, we're on uh, audio only, but I am actually wearing my Brave Smart Kind hoodie uh, that PJ gave me and my kids wear them all the time and it's uh, the, the ideas are really resonate with them um, and this is fantastic and how we as entrepreneurs can, can start to look at this uh, in our families but you also do this values-based leadership uh, or values-based uh, discussions in companies so in, in family businesses and in mm. other companies um, how we can identify what our core values are because we've had conversations before it's not about a sp- aspirational core values is actually you have core values and discovering what they are. Can you talk us through a little bit of that? Yeah, here's here's the other thing that I stumbled for. I, first, like I was in the dark and I stumbled forward and tripped over this idea. And then I was walking backwards in the dark and I stumbled again. So I was doing leadership. I brought this into my family. And then as I was doing more work with my daughters in this, I brought it back into leadership again with complete unintention because I have this, I have lists of all of these values that people would say, to help them brainstorm a little bit about what, how they might identify it because it's hard to come up with a word sometimes. And as I was going through this list, it has, uh, I think it's near 200 words. Once I saw the Brave Smart Kind, I was going back through this list and I was realizing every single one of the values, every single one of the words on these pages can be put into one of the buckets of how we overcome being brave, how we critically think, being smart, or how we treat others and treat ourselves, being kind. Every single value fit into one of those three categories. So as I was going through this, I was like, hmm, coincidence? Maybe. When people start to determine on how they wanna take action, you know, what they want their goals to be, and they're using their values to get there, all we have to do is ask very three pointed questions. And the first question is, Tell me how you overcome. Tell me how you overcome your challenges. And overcoming challenges can be fear, it can be danger, or it can be difficulty. That's how we break those three down. So tell me how you approach those situations. I'm gonna tell you what your value is around courage. Tell me how you critically think. Is it logic, is it wisdom, is it creativity, is it intention? What, how does your brain work? And I'm gonna tell you how you're smart. Then let's go through the things. Uh, being kind, is such a loaded word because my kindness does not mean your kindness. My kindness can be compassion, yours can be honesty. My kindness could be empathy, your kindness could be giving. I, you know, there's a whole different, there's so many different definitions of the word and that's why I'll tell people when they do their core values, I don't care about the word, the singular word or title or bucket that you say that that is. Tell me how you define it. Tell me how you define it through your actions. 
Because then what we're going to do is if we can understand there's just these three buckets that we can put things under, well, then once we get to our decision-making process, we don't have to go through 100 things. We need to go through three. And we need to ask the right questions. We put those into filter questions. Once you have your values, let's come up with the filter questions that help you determine and answer the questions to then decide where you're going to go. And I don't care if you're an individual or you're a team or you're a full organization. If what you can do is break those down to what you are, yeah, not what you want to be, that's the aspirational part. If you wanted to be it, why aren't you it? That could take that could take years of therapy to get to that point too. Let me find <laughs> that, out who that, you that, are that now. That could be very very expensive. <laughs> and 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 here's the thing: is we all have these values, and I don't. Again, it doesn't matter if you're a team or if you're an individual. You are who you are right now. And instead of seeing it as oh, well, we need to be this, we need to be this. Well, let's focus on who you are and go from that standpoint, as opposed to who you think you want to be. And that's not to say people shouldn't have aspirations. They should absolutely have aspirations and aspirational goals. I just think values are one of those. So then what happens in an organization? So let's say you've gone in and you've done a, a workshop and there is a bit of tension in the organization. They ha possibly haven't been able to put their finger on it yet, but it's really because the values of the organi uh, organization are this. And then we have a couple of people who are either misaligned with that or their values are they can be very similar and they can be aligned they don't have to be identical like people don't have to have right. exactly the same thing but they have to be able to align how they are brave and how they are kind and how they are smart with how the company does it or how the organization does it mm -hmm. what happens when there's a, a too much of a misalignment there can you talk about that uh, a little bit sure so and I, i'll talk about it in terms of the framework that can happen with people and companies first and then help with the solutions. But part of it is people think that problems happen in someone's life or on a team because there's a lack of values. And we've heard it a bunch of times. Someone uh, is lying. Oh, well, they don't align with our values. And someone is, I don't know, uh, not being a good team player. Oh, that's because they don't have any values. No, everyone has values. It's just what happens is that there's a lack of balance. So if you see the, the values almost as a triangle, right? You see them as a triangle and you've got each point equals one value. Well, anytime that you take one value too far, it's going to hurt you. And I don't care what that singular value is, you can be too brave. If you're too brave, you can take too many risks. You cannot think about who you're affecting. You become very irresponsible with people's money, with their time, with their hearts, relationships. You can take too many risks. What happens if you're too smart? You think that you always have the right answers. People who always say, agree to disagree. <laughs> that can be that smart value being go, going too far. It can also show up as analysis paralysis. If you say, I need all the data, I need all the data, all the data before I make a choice, you end up making no choice at all or something that's too late, that's taking the smart value too far. And taking a kind value too far, you can get walked over, you can get taken advantage of. There's plenty of ways that you take a value too far and it becomes negative. Well, in that, the solution to that is then to find those other two values, which then will pull you out of that space. So, for instance, uh, my three values are to take care of others, to be intentional and to create my own luck, which essentially means keep showing up. Right. The more I show up, the more the luckier I am. So <clears throat> in that, if I'm taking care of others too much and I'm always giving and giving and giving, I need the way I pull myself out from that is to say, hey, PJ, be intentional. What's your goal here? 
And if you're doing that, are you reaching your goal? And the other one is to say, keep showing up. Well, what are the ways in which you show up and who do you show up for? So because I've defined those values and I figured out a way to pull myself out of that negative, then I get to live in a better balance of my values. When you go into an organization and you say these are our values, there's two things that can happen. One is you live that value so much. That one of the three values. Exactly. Rather than all three of them. Exactly. You live one of those values so much more than you live the other ones that you find yourself in these situations, right? As a team. And then what you have is you have each of those individuals who might be living one of those values. So they're like, I really align with this one, but I don't align with this one. That's gonna throw your company out of whack. And so the first thing is obviously, if you haven't defined them yet, and I'm not saying what the value is, don't put a value on your wall and not define it. If you have defined those values, then what that, that has done is given you the language to start to have the conversations about how you act from those values. If you haven't defined them, then everyone's running around with different definitions of what you think your company value is, which is very dangerous. If you've defined it as a group or when you hire, you have identified and said, this is what this value means to us. This is how we live it in our day to day. Well, then it becomes much more concrete. You start to have those conversations with people because one of those conversations are, do you believe this or do you not believe this? Do you live by this or do you not live by this? And if they can't live by it, they leave. And I guess it also allows you then to identify when people are living the values, tell the stories around that to other people to go, look, what we mean by this value is this. And this is what Mary did because of that value. And this is what we mean by this. And this is what John did because of this value. And this is why we, this is why they're still around. Or Joanne did this, which is against our values. She's not here anymore. Like that kind of. <laughs> Poor Joanne is gone now. Poor Joanne. But she, she's better. She's happier in another space. <laughs> yeah. That and Just it's for not... the record, for anybody who's listening, we've never had anyone called Joanne work at the organization. Is. Not, they're not real people. So. Um, and even yes to that. And just as much when you start a new relationship with a client or supplier or anyone like that, you walk in and you say, these are our non-negotiables. Our non-negotiables are, we're going to show up for you in this way every single time. And when there's a problem, this is how we're going to address it. This is how we go through our thought process. You can count on us to do X, Y, and Z. This is how we plan on treating you. Non-negotiable. This is the way, and this is the way that we need to be treated as we walk through our relationship. Do we agree to this? And as soon as you outline that before you start any negotiation, before you start any anything else, and you have that supplier, that client's agreement in that, two things happen. First of all, you get to hold them accountable for all those things that you just said and you agreed upon. The second is they see you as different because no one else does that. Mm-hmm. When you walk through and say, this is exactly what you stand for, you have just set some mutual expectations about how the relationship is going to go. And typically business falls through when the relationships aren't tight enough. Well, now you've just given the language, you set the terms of how you're going to interact with someone. So as long as you're holding up your end of the bargain on that, well, then you're living up to your values and people want to work more for you. The cooler conversation is when you fire a client because they haven't lived up to their expectation. And you know what they want to do? Work with you more. <laughs> so, yes, I mean, I think that is the work with you more is probably the, the default that they want to, unless there is such a misalignment with the values that it actually is better for them and better for you not to work together. And that makes more sense as well. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying take them back. 
<laughs> so they just want to work with you more. Uh, and no, and from that, like, no, I've, I very specifically told a client, I said, the first thing that we're going to do in this organization, the way that we, I want to make sure that we're interacting is 100% honesty. You tell me what, what I need to do. If something's going wrong, you let me know about that. And likewise, I need to be able to tell you that in another capacity too, if anything's blah, blah, blah. And then it came up to a point where I found out that they were lying to me about something that they shouldn't have. And it wasn't, it wasn't a harsh conversation. I didn't, I wasn't mean about it. I wasn't a jerk about it. I just said, Hey, I don't feel like we can get this, this part back. And that was one of our non-negotiables. So I appreciate your time. And I think we're just going to have to go find somebody else. And that's where we left it. So here's a question then, and when we get onto values, and, and, and again, I'm, I'm keeping it in the, the business space at the moment for family businesses, but so you mentioned there, like you had these non-negotiables, you had these values and they were your values that you agreed on. Are there negative values or are there disruptive values? Like people who have, it's not, it's not just, or is it just that they've gone too far in one positive value that becomes a negative or are there negative values that people can have um, that can affect them in the workplace? I've seen negative intention, but not negative values. Okay, cool. So if you if you look at any value has a positive and a negative, it has a light and mm-hmm. a dark. Anytime you live in it so far, it, uh, the riddle is which way does a tree fall? And the answer is whichever way it leans. And the same thing goes with us. Now, whenever you look for that, I've seen ill intention before where someone comes at, from a place of fear or they come from a place mm-hmm. of selfishness and then what I try to do is look at why that happened because people aren't just naturally afraid. Something happened, trauma in the past, a past relationship, someone they felt that they couldn't trust. And from that, I try to understand it. But I also, in a business sense, I don't make it my problem. If I need to okay. walk on from that, I need to walk on. The issue that I have seen in the past is in family businesses yeah. Where it's everyone is so invested that the personal values and the personal life is so intertwined with that. You might not have the opportunity to just walk away because holidays are going to feel very strange after that. Yes. <laughs> um, and, 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 I, and I have uh, I have worked with people and I've chatted with people who have had exactly those scenarios where the, the family business part has split up and they still have to see each other for in America for Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's atrocious because they haven't, the trauma of the split up was never properly addressed as to why the different values, the different intentions, the different perspectives on what the business was doing. Yeah, um, and when, so when you have the framework, it becomes a little bit easier. So there was one family business that I was speaking to from South Africa. Uh, it was a mom and a dad and a daughter. And they saw a talk about Brace Mark Kind. They liked it. They wanted to have a conversation about how it fit into their family business. And as soon as I asked them, like, what some of their values were, the first one that came up was honesty. And I was like, all right, let's unpack that one a little bit in terms of what how we define it. And <laughs> this is one of the conversations you, have, you and I have had multiple times. And I said, how do you show honesty? And what it broke down to was that the father of the family was very direct and the mother of the family was much more kind. And I said, okay, you've got two different definitions of honesty. When one of these is brutal honesty, one of these is compassionate honesty. And and I, I think I literally gave you credit for that. I was like, here's something my friend Stephen Short says, is that when someone uses brutal honesty, 
They put more emphasis on the brutal than they do on the honesty. How do you think in that, that affects? scenario? So in that scenario, I would say so. The the father is not brutally honest, and the mother is not compassionately honest. The father is brutal, and the mother is compassionate. <laughs> compassionate. The the honesty the honesty is just the same thing that they tack on, but to give them the ability to be those two other things. So <laughs> true, but you could be a brutal liar and a compassionate liar. The, true. <laughs> uh, well. Some some compassionate honesty is a bit of lying, but anyway, that's another that's a, that's a whole different conversation. But <laughs> new podcast. Um, but when, sorry, when they started to define that better, and as soon as I said that, they all started cracking up. They thought that was the funniest thing that they had ever heard, and I was like, if what you do is you approach a conversation and you agree to this because it's in your values and because it's part of the definition of your values and how you act from those values is if you want to keep honesty as a value, approach the conversation like this. Before you ever start working with someone, someone new who comes in, say, I value honesty because I care about you and I care about this business. When you do that, then when you go and have that honest conversation with someone, say, I want to have this conversation with you because I care. And as soon as you frame it like that, then it starts to put it in the conversation of compassion and honesty, even if the dad had some work to do to make it a little less direct, mm -hmm. a little less um, uh, aggressive is, isn't the right word because I don't think he was aggressive, but it was, it could be direct harmful to someone. Yeah. So my wife is Spanish. Person. I'm very familiar with direct honesty. <laughs> <laughs> not, not aggressive, but direct. <laughs> yeah, mine's Dutch uh, or Flemish. Sorry to all the Dutch and Flemish listeners. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've and, and I feel it. And and because that time that has been a point of contention in our relationship, then in a family business where you're dealing with your coworkers and your blood at the same time, well, in that capacity, if it's even greater in your interest to start from a place of values because then you start to agree here are the rules and these rules are going to apply whether we are at business or we are at home now they might manifest themselves in different ways great have that conversation too say this is how we're going to use this honesty here at work we don't have as much time and i need to be able to have this honest conversation without you feeling offended and in ireland we need to be able to have honest conversations that are not in the pub we, we can't just have honest conversations <laughs> after two or three pints <laughs> I don't see anything wrong with that. So, well, <laughs> again, where you and I differ. Um, that, that, that's when the conversations can get way brutally honest. I bet. Um, so then, so when, when you talked about the, the family business where the, the, the father and the mother in the business had different definitions of honesty, but they were both thinking that they were honest. And were they able to get then get aligned on that and be able to say, okay, well, this is actually how we communicate. And that helped the, the flow of being able to, to operate a family business smoother? Or did they still, did, did it take a, a lot of work or too much work? Or is it something that they could see once that somebody else pointed it out to them for, that didn't have the baggage? As soon as you had an external person coming in saying, this is what it looks like, and they agreed to that, then what you had is two things and there was, it was a meeting in the middle. It was the dad saying, I'm like this because I care so much. And as soon as, and it's not like the mother of the family didn't know that, she was just tired of taking that. And so as soon as he says, I care about, I because I care, this is the way that I direct it. And she's saying, because I care, this is the way that I need to receive it. 
And then he could say, okay, now I get this a little bit differently. That makes sense because it doesn't always come across that way. And because they wrote it down into their values, there's a reminder there. And that's the other thing. And this is for individuals and this is for organizations, teams, is as soon as you write down those values and you you have it, whether that's on your desk, on your wall, people need to display these things because they need reminders. Like I've got chalk paint all over my house. I mean, so yeah, I mean, we can see it in the Zoom call right now and I mean, I've seen it on, on, on different uh, videos you've done. So, yeah. Yeah. My wife has like gone through and painted over it because I think I turned our house into a university lecture hall. Uh, <laughs> but here's the thing is we display it all the time because we need the reminders. And it's not that we need the reminders to live our values. We're already living our values. And that's the very clear message is to say, if you've got core values, you're living them. Now you might living, you might be living them uh, in an extreme or in a blind way, but your core doesn't leave you. It's just, you have to understand it. So sometimes when I've got that value of intention that's riding hide and I'm going full force into some sort of goal that I have, I need that reminder that PJ, your number one value is to take care of others. Are you taking care of your family right now? Is that showing up? All right, pause, take a breath, maybe attack this at a different angle. But if I didn't have that, honestly, if I didn't have that sign behind me, I wouldn't realize it as quick. And it doesn't mean that I yeah. don't make mistakes. I make, <laughs> let's, we could survey my family. They're like, yes, I do make mistakes every single day. But what I'm able to do is I'm able to recognize it. I'm able to recover from it. I'm able to respond to it in the right way so that my apologies come quick. And our, the healing or whatever it is goes so fast that it doesn't take all night. It doesn't take a silent dinner. It doesn't take a night on the couch. It doesn't take all those things. It doesn't take a fight the next week a with any, my kids. Anymore. Just, anymore. Honestly, it doesn't take all that anymore. <laughs> I, I, you're not lying. And, and it has in the past. And because I get it, because I spent time doing it, then you just get to move on with your life and live in the positive side mm. so much more, which has helped my professional relationships has helped my personal relationships it's helped relationships with my children and here's the thing is that they are now learning how to recover quickly when something goes against what they believe and that's that's amazing gold that's fantastic so as you know we've been in our company here in etc we've been doing uh, a lot of uh, work on our core focus and our core values and um, we had five, and, and, and again, even though you and I had these conversations before about um, what do we value and what's a core value, I think we had fun as one of the core values is one of the things that we had. Um, and we, we've narrowed it down now to three. So we have three core values with a, a short description for each of those core values as well, which is for the whole organization. And you and I have had lots of conversations about this and, uh, and refining it, and it's brilliant. Mm -hmm. But what can family businesses do? What's the first step? for them to start thinking about this if they don't have those core values or if they don't if they feel that they're maybe not solid enough or they're not defined enough exactly as as you've described it now they don't have that definition what can they do uh, to start thinking about this and start thinking about identifying their core values in their family businesses yeah so when i help people walk through these exercises essentially what i like to do is i just walk them through a bunch of questions and there's six very core questions that i'll never ignore the one is, tell me the characteristics of a leader that you would willingly follow. Mm -hmm. Write all those down. Tell me the characteristics of your ideal teammate. Write all those down. 
Tell me the characteristics of your closest friends. Write all those down. So those are the personal characteristics of people of what they value. Um, and then when it is the other three questions that I ask is tell me what makes you mad. And some people are like, I don't get mad. Bullshit. <laughs> you don't get aggressive. Those are two different things. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of things that make you upset. And what that tells me is that there's a value that's been broken. Mm -hmm. right? There's been some value that's broken. That's why you're angry. So if, if mine is take care of others, I can't stand injustice in the world where someone's treated differently based on the color of their skin, their social and economic stand, standing, gender, whatever. Mm -hmm. Pisses me off. Well, I know that a value has then been broken. That's why I've, that's how I like to take care of people. And if that doesn't happen, then I'm mad. Um, likewise, I get really pissed off if someone doesn't put the toothpaste cap back on the toothpaste. It makes no sense. If you don't yeah, want dry toothpaste, things, don't put the cap back are on. Equally, those two things yeah. are equally valid in the world. Yes. <laughs> both, both those enrage me the exact same amounts. Um, it, but so I know that those values, that intention value is broken is if you don't want X, don't, don't do Y. Right. Mm -hmm. So that tells me something. The other one I ask is, how do you fail? Specifically, how do you fail repeatedly? Because, again, I don't believe that someone fails because of lack of value. I feel that they fail because of an excess of value and an unbalanced an imbalance between their values. So if what I can do is ask the right questions to figure out what that part is, that tells me something about an individual. It also tells me something about your team. Because here's the thing that people mistake is they think an organization is a bunch of moving parts and a structure and it's not it's relationships it's people people make up every business right and the people that you deal with it's it's the individuals and just a collection of them once you go through and start to identify all of those oh sorry the last question is so what there was only five yeah you know, what makes you proud about yourself like what do you like about yourself mm -hmm. and that's a very direct relation that that's like the core value just right there in your face. And then I say, all right, now categorize all of those. And I don't typically say put them in one of the three brace mark kind buckets. I say put them in whatever buckets you want. Now, if what we're missing is um, answers to how do you overcome challenges, let's have that discussion. If what you're missing is how do you critically think, let's have those discussions. What we're missing is how you treat people. That one's never missing, by the way. Right. Let's have those discussions. Um, so the first thing you do is you sit down with your core team, and that could be the founders. It could be the family, the core of the family. It depends how big your business is, obviously. So, so for, for me, where I see the possibly the biggest value in this is at the conversation where the current generation and the next generation are trying to figure out what to do next, how to make the next decisions. Mm -hmm because the current generation might have a, a, a set of values that are maybe things that they value as opposed, and they call them their values, but yeah. and there's a, there's a disconnect there. And I think this is where I think this conversation is really fascinating in family businesses it, it, in that succession stage. I think that's, obviously I've never been a part of that, but what I would be fascinating to see is the difference in conversations between maybe it is the original founder, but the generational changes between mm -hmm. that, because at, look, at least for my father's generation, it was stay with one company, you know, keep your nose down, work your ass off. And that's going to pay off where there's so much change happening. And that mm -hmm. quite frankly is I can, I can imagine that that can be very frustrating for someone who has spent so much time in their life and care for their family, putting their energy into this business. And then you have a younger generation who thinks differently 
and you're like, oh, those young. <laughs> I'm going so like cartoonish right now. Those yeah, yeah, but, young it, but whippersnappers. But it, and it is, but it is like, look, we can get. I, I have these conversations all the time. It's a some of it's a bit about personality. Some of it's a bit about uh, values. It's about perspective, and the current generation have so much more to lose than the next generation. Because they, as exactly as you said, they put 40, 50 years into this. So I think having that alignment on values can be really, really powerful for family businesses. Yeah. And, and I mean, I'll say the earlier you have those conversations, the better. But if you're just now getting into that point where you're jumping into it, then at the very least, once you get into these values discussions, you understand why somebody does what they do. And sometimes uh, I bet I can just imagine one of the things that pops up is the word respect over and over and over again. And one generation in the way in which they show respect and the way they had to show respect to other generations, therefore that's the way they expect to receive respect, mm-hmm. can be very different than the generation coming up. So if what you're able to do is to have these open conversations about it, lay everything on the table, and I don't care if this is me or anyone else, have have an outside person come and assist you with this because it takes some of the emotion out of it and, and we're it able to see behind a curtain that you don't see yeah. right 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 um then that can help people accept it a little bit more you know but yeah it, if you're having those general generational discussions if you can break it down into three buckets of this is how you overcome that fear, danger, difficulty, this is how you critically think, and this is how you treat people, then it frames your conversation in a way that at other times just seems so chaotic and too big of a mountain to climb mm-hmm. because what you think you're dealing with might not be as complex as you as you fathom right now. You know, mm-hmm. It might just make it a little bit simpler. I think, I mean, there's, there's I, I'm already, my mind, I mean, you and I have had these conversations, so I mean, I'm, I'm really familiar with a lot of your thinking, but it, like, there's a lot of this stuff that I'm taking away and reframing and going, yeah, that could be, and that's, that's something that I can talk to this person about because I know that actually just that phrase, that turn of phrase that you've made is going to help them to unlock something. So I think, I thank you so much for, for all of that um, knowledge dump. Speaking of putting all of your knowledge into one place, You've got a new book coming out. You've got a book, and it, but it's for parents. It's for it's brave, smart, kind for parents, right? And teachers. Yeah, well, it's it's called raising kids to be brave, smart, and kind. So, mm-hmm. and it's funny because I gave it to um, um, a PR company the other day, and the founder of the PR company, Eeyore, she read it and she's like, "This this book isn't for parents." And I was like, what do you mean it's not for parents? She's like, it's for everybody. I was like, oh, yeah, it is. And here's what I did is I took everything from the leadership world, applied it to my kids, put it back in the leadership world. So in that, it's all of the leadership lessons that I've learned that I've experimented on my guinea pig children. <laughs> and, Eth- and so ethical, far, it's ethical working. Research, ethical research. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I made the family business just about experimenting on my family. Um but it's all the lessons that I've learned and it's look, it's the good ones and the bad ones. It's the I tried that failed, didn't mm-hmm. work. And here's what's making a significant difference in how I connect with my kids, how I get to show up as a father, how I connect with my wife, how we're able to sort out our differences because we both have different value sets. And how do you raise kids somewhere in between there? And I can imagine with family businesses, 
Mm-hmm. It unlocks all sorts of the same conversations that people need to have because now it's not just raising kids. It's raising a business that probably started out as your baby. With and there are, there are other people who are not family who are coming in uh, who rely on you to provide a an income and the business has to be able to generate enough money to keep people happy and keep people employed and all the rest of it so there, yeah. there's a lot of that stuff so yeah so and, and then uh, it's just how, translated too into schools and teachers and people it's not raising kids isn't a only parent only job it is a community job it is a you know takes a village type of thing so yeah, it's fun. It's being adapted into a lot of different places. So that book is coming out uh, beginning of November. Um, we're aiming to have this podcast out before that, uh, which doesn't give us a huge amount of time. But uh, Mick, who's the producer, um, is uh, he, he, he says that's not going to be a problem. And his reputation, he's, he's willing to put his <laughs> reputation on it. No, he's not really. He's, not, he's going to be editing this wondering what's going on. So. Um, so and I'm I've got an advanced copy of the book and I'm uh, working through it, walking, going through it. I'm I'm not uh, I'm not that smart, so I have to read it at a very remedial level. But I'm really enjoying it. Um, and um, where can people find you? Where can people find the book? Where can people get in touch with you specifically? Sure, uh, the book is going to be on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Raising kids to be brave, smart, and kind, and. Uh, uh, bravesmartkind.com luckily it was available when i when i needed it and uh no that's those are the best best ways so bravesmartkind.com pj brady thank you very much it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast thank you mr short always appreciate your support talk to you soon thanks bye-bye Thank you to my guest, PJ Brady, for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, I'll link his details up in the show notes, but remember, you can find him at www.bravesmartkind.com too. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on all your favorite platforms to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you have any thoughts or comments, I'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch by visiting www.killerfamilybusinesspodcast.com. I look forward to speaking with you.